0: It's
1: gonna feel real good, all right? Most dope. Everybody, please put a thumb in the air.
2: everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Mass. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Ah, That was fun last night, wasn't it? Get to see that uh, all-time great team up close. Didn't force overtime. (laughs) Didn't force overtime this time around, but... You know, oh, one and two against the best team since the '95-'96 Red Wings is pretty good, I would say. Uh, let's get into it. Uh, there's some stuff going on. Trade deadline coming up. Flyers are still, you know, technically in it. Uh, so let's just get right to it. Let's lead it off. Rejoining us this week after an absence.
1: Yay!
2: My broadcast partner in crime, Steph Lewis, D. Steph Driver.
1: Oh, my. Um, so we are <laughs> going to the Flyers Alumni Showdown on Friday. Uh, that is this Friday before the stadium series. It's at the Class of 23 Arena, which is on the University of Pennsylvania's campus-ish. Um, the lineup was just announced today. Check it out on Broad Street Hockey. But the highlights are Danny Breer and Scott Hartnell and Kimo Timonen. and... That's all I remember. Eric Lindros. Oh, well. (laughs) That guy. (laughs) That's a pretty fucking big deal. Yeah.
2: How does it make you guys feel that now, like, in 2012, I went to the alumni game and it was like, obviously, you know, you get Lindros and LeClaire, guys who I was Mm -hmm. little kids for. uh, But, you know, the big show is still, I'm watching Bobby Clark and Bill Barber and uh, Bernie Peratt stack the freaking pads like it's 1975. But now it's literally like guys I've written about in my life.
3: I know, right? We're getting old, fam. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah.
1: People like I, people that I've interviewed while they were players. I and, heard
2: today that yeah. Rihanna is thirty one and I was like, Oh man, that's Don't you dare. Here we go, huh? Don't you dare <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah. wait, wait, Kelly. Is
3: Lindros gonna be there? As far as I know, because
4: yes. he wasn't—he's not on the alumni roster. The uh, email oh, that I got today—I
3: thought he's
2: he's he like,
4: was around doing stuff. I mean, so I just assumed he was going to be—he might but be I don't around. He doesn't. The, the roster that I have from this email today is forwards: Riley Cote, Brian Prop, Danny Brier, Todd Fedorik, Scott Hartnell, Mitch Lamoureux, and Dave Brown. The defensemen are Brad oh. Brad Marsh, Joe Watson, and Jim Watson. Terry Carkner, Doug Crossman, Shell Samuelson, Nick Schultz, and Kimo Nick Schultz! And your goalie is Boosh. So it does not. I made that up then. So and then it's Bernie, Dave Schultz, Bill Clement and Reggie Leach will also be in attendance.
3: Oh, and uh,
1: special guest player Andrew Ferencz is going to appear. Oh, that's going to sell tickets. (laughs) Paul
3: Holmgren is coaching. So that's fun.
1: Paul Holmgren, Bob Kelly, and Bill Barber. Uh, we've, we've got coaching. a. We've now got Kelly's got to go. Yeah, Jack it's her Adams favorite, winner, favorite coach ever. i him to come back. So we are going to be there. If you if if you could make it, if you're going to be in the area, tickets are fifteen bucks, and they're going to be playing against the Snyder Hockey Alumni. So kids that some of these. Older players have literally watched grow up. Mm-hmm. They're going to be playing against them, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. Anybody who's really anybody within the Flyers organization is going to be there. Um, Willie O'Ree is dropping the puck. Um, cool. Lauren mm-hmm. Hart is singing the national anthem. It, it's just, it's going to be a lot of fun. If you can make it, 15 bucks. Head on over to Snyder Hockey. If you can't make it, go to our Patreon page because we are going to be there. We are going to be covering the event in a way that, you know, only Broad Street hockey can. So we're doing both audio and video. It's going to be the most fun. Um, so we're doing you know $5, $10 for uh, audio and video respectively. Um, and all donations will be going towards Snyder hockey. So you're not paying us. You're paying for the coverage, whatever. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's happening on Friday before the stadium series that may or may not get rained out. Thank you.
2: I can't wait for them to play that game in the rain. That's going to be fun.
1: Oh,
3: God. It's going to be such a mess.
1: <laughs> I From, mean, ice doesn't hold up well in the rain. Not great.
2: You just get a broom. It's fine. <laughs> From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor.
4: So you remember how a couple of weeks ago I was saying how, like, Andrew McDonald's numbers this year haven't been terrible? Yeah. And not that he's... Good, but he hasn't been the total dumpster fire that we sort of assume he's always going to be. Yeah,
2: and then what happened? Like that. Oh, maybe he's just an average, you know. Yeah, like maybe friction. he's
4: a third pair defensive, but he be passable in that role. Well, over the last week and a half, he's back to being really bad
2: who could have
1: seen that coming
4: <laughs> so that really was just probably a blip on the we radar we were
2: talking about some of the goals that Carter Hart has led in over the last few games and like the first uh, Detroit game of the back to backs like three of them or at least two of them were sick deflections and the Vanek one was a little leaky on Hart's part like just tighten up it's a little Briz Briz-esque nobody let in more armpit goals I've ever seen than Briz it was just a ridiculous thing but like in the play leading up to that Andrew McDonald literally conceded the entire if there was yeah. if there were 200 more yards of ice he would have given those up as well like he was just looking for more shit to give up I, if he had could have found a white flag he would have thrown it and fallen down and killed himself like I I, I don't know what else he could have possibly done to concede more ice on that play there was but there it's, was it's, a, it's Andrew
4: McDonald there was it's a play on um today's Wednesday right so was yeah, a play in is. Tuesday's game leading up to the first goal that Tampa scored. And it was just the epitome of Andrew McDonald where I believe it was Simmons. They have the puck in the offensive zone. Simmons sort of tries to get a pass back up to the point to in the general direction of McDonald, but he doesn't get, get a, a, a quite enough on it. And McDonald, he if he would have been decisive and he would have just went and got the puck they would have kept the play alive. But what does McDonald do? He sort of like takes a half stride forward, then thinks, oh no, I won't get to the puck, takes a stride backwards, then thinks, oh wait, I have more time than I thought I did. Then he tries to go forward, then he takes another stride backwards, and then by then the the, the lightning have the puck and are rushing back. Like that's McDonald in a nutshell. He's just the instincts, they're just not good. Nope. And, and and that's the thing like when when you put him in a split second situation where he has to make a decision without thinking he doesn't make the right one yeah. and that was the classic example of like he it's it's like analysis paralysis and it's bad
2: I, I, that's the thing with Andrew Mcdonald like I get that his leadership or whatever is separate from hockey i q mm-hmm. but Typically, a guy like him, while he may not be physically capable, like he just isn't good enough, you can at
4: least make the argument he knows what to do. He doesn't seem to know what to do. Well, he knows what to do in the system. That's the thing. System-wise, he knows exactly what the coaches want him to do. It's the minute that you get off system and you have to just make a hockey decision based on the nature of the moment, that's where you lose him. Because he's just—it's everything—is structure with him. But the minute you take him out of that structure, there's—he just doesn't provide anything. And the coaches love the structure, but for hockey players who actually drive play in the right direction, it's what you do outside of the structure. The, the, the structure prevents the big mistakes. And granted, over the last week and a half, he's still made a lot of big mistakes. Yeah. But the structure prevents the big mistakes. It's what you do in addition to the structure that actually allows you to be a winning hockey team. And that's where he doesn't do anything.
2: Last but certainly not least, Carcillo's mustache herself, Kelly Hinkle.
3: So I'm wondering if I'm the only one feeling this way, so I'm going to talk through my feelings a bit. So remember how earlier in the season we were all getting super ambivalent, but it was like a really negative way? Mm -hmm. Like we were just pissed and we couldn't care anymore? I'm feeling ambivalent again, but it's like in a completely different way where it's just like, for example, last game. Watching Carter Hart give up a couple of stinkers to the best team in the league, I'm just like, ah, you know what? That's all right. Doesn't matter. That's um, he's learning. We're not going anywhere. It's fine. That's I'm feeling
2: like the results don't matter, and therefore they don't bother me. Yeah, like I'm yeah. rooting for them. Yeah. But my assessment of what this team is, is strictly like, hey, what's Nolan Patrick looking like? What's what's Oscar Lindblom looking like? What's Travis Sanheim looking like? And that's yeah. as long as those guys are doing... At least getting the reps, and I'm seeing them progress. I don't really care about the results. It's fun. I'm going to follow it. But, yeah, I'm not... There's very little... Oh, my God, they're losing and I'm mad. Or, oh, they're on this win streak, and they're going to make the run. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not... That's... I'm just... Whatever happens, happens. I'm looking... It's process over results right now.
3: Yeah, same. The lost season. Yeah. Who who cares? They threw
2: away the first half of the season, and this is where they are. I'm disappointed, but I can't go back and fix it, so I have to just move forward. And at
3: least now... You know, Phil's getting a look. Maybe some of the other kids will get a look. I mean, kind of. But. <laughs>
4: well, now he's going to get a two-day Yeah. At yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the very least. This is basically the the argument I made in... I think I wrote this article in, like, mid-January. And it was pretty much the argument I made was that if... You know, it's... The underlying argument in the article was just, why stay angry? Like yeah. they Like, they've, they've made literally... All of the changes you want them to make structurally, with regards to the GM and the coach and everything, let me know. We're going to get a new, a new voice, a new direction. They've made, they've done all the stuff you want them to do. So why get, wh- why yeah. spend the next forty games angry every night? Yeah, L- focus on the positives and let's take another go at this next year with hopefully a new voice is going to do stuff different. But. Just watching every hockey game, every Flyers game for the rest of the year to be mad for three hours—like, if that's what you want to do, I guess God speed, people. But like, it just doesn't seem like a productive way to spend your time. Oh, Charlie, if you want to talk about just being
2: mad for three hours, not having a productive—you should see wrestling Twitter. Oh my <laughs>
1: God. No, you see, we do, because there's that overlap. It overlaps so much. There
2: is quite an overlap of uh, people who spend way too much time in front of the television. So I am glad that Carter Hart is getting a taste of what a true number one goalie's workload is like. And I'm glad he started against Tampa. And I am not upset about the outcome. This is all part of it. I've said all along, when I wanted him to make the team out of camp, and I accept it that he would get lit up at times and going up against a team that has now scored five or more goals in like 25 out of 65 games or whatever the hell it is. This is just what's going to happen. Is it ideal that he gave up three goals on nine shots and got pulled halfway through the first period? No, but it's a learning experience. And I think it's important that he goes through all of it now. And now it's just about how he responds. What does he do the next time he plays? I'm not hoping he plays against uh Against Montreal. Just he's be, going to. He's going to.
4: Well, that's basically what uh, Gordon said after the game. It was, okay. Was why cool. did, Basically, it was, why did you pull him? And he said, well, I want him to be ready for Thursday. Cool. He's there. playing Thursday. Then good.
2: more Awesome. Uh, but it's about going through tough experiences is something every young player does, whether it's Gostas Bayer getting benched or Travis Konechny having to play with Belmar and freaking Vandevelde for a third <laughs> of the season. Like... This is just what happens and being oh, a goalie...
4: pre- Preferably it wouldn't happen. It does,
2: though. <laughs> Unless you're Connor McDavid, you have tough experiences. It's just what Connor it
1: happens. Connor McDavid is stuck in Edmonton. I yeah. don't know if anybody has a worse experience than that. And he
2: had to deal with, oh, Brandon Manning is your, is your kryptonite <laughs> nonsense <laughs> for however long. But I'm just saying, every young player goes through this, and the fact that he's going through it now, he can learn through it, I think is only good. We're going to get to more Carter Hart stuff in just a minute, but first... We're going to talk about the goalie position and how it doesn't relate to Carter Hart for a second. They went out and got a goalie. Uh, We talked a lot about what's going to become of Anthony Stolarz and his whole he's going to be a UFA because of games played and his age and everything. Well, they traded him, and they traded him for uh, a long-rumored Flyers, uh, you know— I get a guy who we've all kind of looked at as a potential target here, Cam Talbot. Turns out he is Carter Hart's buddy, so I guess we can't uh separate Hart from anything ever. But <laughs> what do we think about this acquisition and where the hell is he? Why 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 did I have to watch Brian Elliott last night?
1: Uh something about the visas. That's, you know, what, That's he, what holds up how, all of the dude. I yeah. get
2: it that I guess he's working, he's Canadian and he works in Canada Yeah, he has got to get they like, like a work half permit. Their game,
1: they Play half their games in America as is. But he doesn't live in America. He doesn't work for an American team when they're playing for a Canadian team. I don't I guess
2: the NFL's just different. No well, they're all in the US. It's not you're not an employee. It's you work for the NFL. It doesn't you know, matter. Oh, I see what you're saying. Who you, what team you play. I don't
4: know. It just. Well, I think it just comes down to who's paying the checks, like, and the teams pay the checks. I doesn't that the same way it works in the NFL? Don't the teams don't, pay the checks? I guess so. I, I just, assume they did.
2: It's, you're just a subs. You're just play for one of our subsidies, basically.
4: I, I don't think so. I think that because there's some, there's got to be. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't even know enough about the NFL's revenue plan. I just, so I—it's I, a visa. I, it's a visa thing. How is this thing? not an, a more easily resolved situation? Because, because it it's government. To happen all the time. Because it's government, and government is
2: government. So you bribe them. You're oh, a billion-dollar organization. <laughs> what? say, Here's money. Like, this that's one idea. Get traded, and the teams would like to have these players.
1: Here's some money. Push it through. It takes like. Two days, like this, is not a catastrophe, and it's also a catastrophe.
3: I just think it's fucking stupid. Well, it is, and but the two day resolution is like one billion times faster than it would be for a normal human being who has to move here for work. So fast, like
1: if if someone needed a TN visa to work in the United States from Canada, it would take about a month or so. That is not what we're dealing with. Yeah,
4: they expedited the hell. Plus, the trade happened on a weekend, so. People, have, people, say, people, on people have off on weekend. Weekend, I learned yeah. that
2: that's a big deal when you mobile deposit a check. Uh,
4: <laughs> 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 no, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, I did hear. I heard some stupid. people. This was something that annoyed me uh, over the last couple of days. I heard some people basically kind of doing what you were doing over the last few minutes is just freaking out about this whole Visa thing. I just think it's how How could the Flyers have have not set this up before they did the trade? And if they knew there was going to be a problem, why didn't they, because it was a weekend, why didn't they just wait till Monday? Okay, let's go through a few things. Number one, you don't do anything before you get a trade done because you don't know if you're actually going to get the trade done. Once you get the trade done, you do it. It's not like, hey, I'm going to... Backs my buddy at the Visa office three days in <laughs> advance because you know what happens? That buddy at the Visa office might send, some, send an email to a reporter and be like, hey, it looks like the Flyers are trying to trade for Cam Talbot and then the whole thing blows up. So no, you don't do that. Oh I
1: yeah, mean, That's, I'm that's not... a quick text to whoever you know. Yes. Like, I'm not upset so, about so, the Flyers. So
4: number one, there's that. Number two, the weekend thing. Why did not you just wait till Monday? It could have gotten done quicker if you would have waited. No, once you agree to a trade, you don't hold the trade because literally anything can happen in the next two days. So you get the tr- once a trade is agreed to, you do it. You don't hold it for stupid reasons. So I just wanted to rant about that because I heard a lot of that this week. Like, how could the Flyers have not have not set this up better? So they got Talpa quicker. Like, this is just how it works. The same thing happened last year with Johnny Oduya.
1: Yeah, I'm-
3: it was two <laughs> games that he wasn't available. Johnny for.
1: Oduya, I forgot. I, I forgot he was a thing.
2: I, I, I'm not upset about the Flyers' end of it. I just think that this being a consistent issue is stupid. Like you work, I for, mean, the NHL is based in New York. Like that's what you work for the NA. I don't, I just think it's stupid that it, it's, there's not a resolution. to It's this.
1: because the, there. there's, it's a sport that spans multiple countries.
2: Like, I don't know that this is an issue when a Toronto Blue Jay gets traded. That's all.
1: Well, that's something you should look into. I before just, I've, you never start
2: <laughs> I've never heard it being an issue before. Do
1: you, right, you follow the beyond, Toronto
3: Blue Jays very closely? I
2: follow the MLB.
3: I did that one time in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> so anyway, back to Talbot and his actual impact. What is what do we think of this trade? What is your what is your idea of how this trade works out for the Flyers? You lose Anthony Stolarz. It looked like he might be growing into something, but he's 25, he was probably leaving. It looks like Cam Talbot wants to stay. What does that look like to you?
1: I, my original thoughts were this is a trade that didn't need to happen. They're both guys that are not on expiring contracts. One's old, one's young. Who cares? But as as I thought about it some more, the the who cares vibes definitely got stronger Um, and ended with, um, if you had told me last year, this time last year, that the Flyers were able to turn Anthony Stolarz, who I believed last year was the corpse of Anthony Stolarz, into Cam Talbot, I would be over the moon. So that's where we are now. And it's still, you know, it's still an expiring contract. But if he wants to stay here and stick with his buddy Carter Hart and back him up, I'm I'm happy with that.
4: I get the impression that Talbot, like, like I guess it's all going to come down to money in the end, but I get the impression that it's less whether Talbot wants to stay and more whether the Flyers decide they want Cam Talbot. Yeah. And I... Don't think that's a bad thing at all, but I I think Cam Talbot wants to be here. Cam Talbot basically flat out, because he Cam Talbot had a 10-team no-trade clause, and by 10 teams, that means there were only 10 teams he could be traded to. Flyers were not one of them, and he waived that no-trade clause because he was like, yeah, I kind of think I could see myself re-signing in Philadelphia. I like the idea. I like Carter Hart. I like where the team's positioned. So I get the impression Talbot wants to stay. It's just a matter of whether the Flyers are going to— if they like what they see in him enough to give him the money he's going to want— I don't think he's going to get that much because no. like he's on. I think he's on like a like a $4.2 four point two million dollar cap. $4.166. Yeah, yeah, something like that. He's going to get less than that.
2: That's my impression of it. Was if you can re-sign him two, three years, something like that for. Elliot slash. I think no, he's, I, I say, I think he's like get an Elliot contract. Issue. Three yeah. or less. Three mil or less, I'm cool with it.
4: I could see a two year, three million dollar a year deal just because the cap ceiling has went up. So mm-hmm. giving giving Cam Talbot the Elliott deal, you're giving him a higher cap hit because teams just have more money to spend. But I could see an Elliott ish deal for yeah,
2: him. That's the I am looking at two or three years for three mil, and then I still I don't quite have the cheap uh heart. Uh, stoley tandem that I wanted, but it's still relatively inexpensive considering Carter Hart is a 21 year old next year uh, on a, on his first contract. And yeah, it's still going to be a yeah, cheap deal because of his contract. Yeah. And it just we're not we are all encouraged by what we've seen overall out of Carter Hart, but I do believe it's smart to go out and get a guy who. You can put in a tandem, he is pals with Carter Hart, and he has experience taking a starter's workload if he needs to. Yes. So it's it's a nice insurance policy, and now getting him at this point, rather than just signing him on July 1, you get the tryout. You get to see, okay, how's this going to work? What's he going to look like? How does he fit in with the team? And all that stuff, too.
4: Yeah, I just think that goalies... It's such a it's such a difficult position to analyze, you know, so much of it. you guys have talked about the whole Brzezgala thing about him not fitting in with the, you know, what Lavi let one of his defensemen to do and whatnot. There's just a real value, I think, in goalies to get a firsthand look with your organization at the way a guy plays and whether you think he will fit with those. Like the systems for the Flyers probably going to change because, you know. Maybe Gordon's the coach next year, but I think we're all in agreement that's probably not going to happen. They're probably going to get somebody else. So the systems are going to change. So there's, there's, it's not perfect. But you're at least going to see how he deals with the tendencies of the players that are here and whatnot. So I think there's value in that. And I, I'm on record as saying I like this deal. because, But I, I've been on record for a while as saying that I didn't like the fit of Anthony Stolar's backing up Carter Hart because I just could not trust... That Anthony Stollars A was actually good because he has just he just hasn't played enough. You know, he everybody was acting like this guy was a savior. His save percentage just years like nine oh six. Like, yeah, he played fine, I guess, but he has played in less than 20 games at age 24 25 like I don't I'm nowhere near soul this guy's an NHL goalie based on a few good games after coming back from yet another injury which leads me into my second point which is I can't trust he's gonna stay healthy yeah and the the guy I wanted to back up Carter Hart for the next two years two three years ish when whenever Carter Hart you know, turns into the I need 60 games every year because I'm just that damn good guy. I want to have somebody behind him who I can trust that, if necessary, can play 35, 40 games. In no way, shape, or form could I trust that Anthony Solars could do that. So I wanted them no. to get a guy who, and you know what? If next year Carter Hart were 15 games in the year and Carter Hart has a 930 save percentage, then Cam, guess what? You're a twenty game a year backup. Yeah, and that's fine. And that's fine. And you know what? I'm cool to overpay a twenty game a year backup, three you know, two million dollars more than ideally I'd want to pay him if that means that we get Carter Hart super goalie for the final two years of his ELC because you can you can afford to uh to waste some cap on an overpaid backup when you're paying your starting goalie who's awesome yeah. literally nothing. But if he struggles, I wanted to have a fallback, and I think Talbot can theoretically be that fallback. But that's why it's important to get a look at him now. Because if you get a look at him now, and you're, you know, Kim Dillaball works with him every day, and you got video people looking at him, you got Fletcher looking at him, you got people who know the position looking at him, and they tell they tell Fletcher, you know, this guy's cooked. You can't sign him because he's literally done. At least you knew that yeah. now and now rather than signing him in the offseason without getting that first-hand look at him and then finding out next November that, like, shit, this guy's finished and we got him for two years and now we don't have a fallback plan for Carter R. because the guy we have under contract is actively bad.
2: Yeah.
1: The um, worst the worst part of this deal was sending Anthony Stolars to Edmonton.
4: Yeah, feel bad for Stolarz
2: there.
1: <laughs> sorry, sorry <laughs> bud.
2: Poor son of a bitch. Well, I mean, he's got experience behind our blue line, so I guess He'll be he's, fine. he's prepared. Uh, <laughs>
1: someone is, is going to score for your team. It's just only gonna be one person. What is
2: the relationship between Talbot and Hart? Like they're it's very eleven good. years apart.
1: It's strange, huh? That
2: they're are like
4: the like So basically what Hart told us, this was even before the trade happened, um, so two two off seasons ago, they worked together briefly. Like they were on the ice at the same time and they kind of were, you know, chatted up and like, hey, you're a good dude. Yeah, you're you're you know, you seem like a nice kid. So next year, which would be last off season, they basically worked together all summer because Hart was working with the goalie coach for the Oilers. And obviously Talbot was working with him as well because Talbot plays for the Oilers. So they were working together pretty much all summer on training. Uh, There's actually a good quote. Let me see if I can pull it up on, um, on Hart And the relationship and it was it was a neat little thing that that he said it was cam actually offered to pay for most of the summer for the ice time that was a really nice that was really nice of him to do he was like later down the road you'll be out on the ice with a young kid too mentoring him and you've just got to pay it forward he said the same thing happened to him when he was younger and as a veteran guy he said it's kind of what you have to do so they they worked together all last summer wow i like him a lot now hart actually (laughs) called talbot the night before his first nhl start to ask him for advice on dealing with jitters so they had a good relationship everybody. How much that matters, I guess it's good that they have a good relationship. I like the Talbot move mostly because I just think he's a good fit, considering what he's going to what he's going to cost, and the fact that this this year he's been bad this year. But this year has really been the only year of his career where he's been bad. I could see this just being the random year when goalies sometimes have bad years out of the blue, they and, then and then they're fine again. So I could see that it seems like a good buy low. But there's an added benefit of the fact that Carter Hart already likes the guy.
2: Yeah, it's a bonus. Yeah, uh, like I want role, him to be happy. The the role Talbot's gonna play and his price and all that is is the main thing for me. But the fact that they have this relationship and it is uh strong and they kind of play off of each other, I think it's just a good bonus to have. Doesn't hurt. No, not at all. Uh to Carter Hart again some more now. There was a Our little baby boy. There was a little bit of talk yesterday, and I think it was more fear than anything because Yo, Tampa's really good. Do we really want Hart out there? But, like, people talking about the workload. Do you have any concerns about Carter Hart's workload at this point right now, 20-year-old goalie with, you know, 22 or 21 starts or whatever it is under his belt?
3: I don't, personally. I mean, he he played, what, like 60-ish games when he was with Mm -hmm. the Silver Tips? So, I mean, obviously it's a more intense situation in the NHL, but... He's used to playing that many games.
4: I'm moderately concerned. That's where I am. But by the same token, the fact that they acquired Talbot leads me to believe that, like, you didn't acquire him not to see him play. So you're, like... This week, I honestly think, is going to be an aberration, where basically, you know, over this 9-10 day period, Carter Hart just played all the games. I think you give Talbot a few days of practice. Like, obviously, Carter Hart's playing the Stadium Series game, because he's playing the Stadium Series game. It's the freaking Stadium Series game. Yeah. And I, don't, I think there was a decent chance he wasn't going to play against Montreal, but because he got pulled so early, they're like, okay, we're throwing you out there, and it's a big game. But I do believe that this kind of workload is not going to continue, because they're going to want to see Talbot and... You don't acquire a guy to get a look out of him and and not get a and not, a, and a not look, get yeah. a look at him. So this this workload concerns me a little bit. I'd rather him not be playing three game three you know three games of four days and whatnot. But I don't think it's going to continue the rest of the year. So that's why I'm not that concerned.
2: Yeah, that's the if he was going to go on and start every game for a whole month. You know, that bad. would be
3: concerning. Yeah, I but, think we have, like, PTSD yeah. from Dave Haxtell starting Brian Elliott for thousand
2: games. He's not yeah. 32-year-old Brian Elliott. He's yeah. a 20-year-old kid, and it's not going to continue, I don't think. I don't think so. I,
1: I just get worried because I want all of the nice things for him. Like, I want him to go to a petting zoo and <laughs> ride the ponies. And I, just, want, I him- want him to have a good time, and I don't want anything bad to happen to him. Like... Fucking the lightning scoring on him three times. I don't think. I
2: don't think in the long run that's bad for him.
1: I don't think so either. Listen,
2: I think it's good to get lit up at this age. I
4: it, I prefer him happen. not to though.
2: But it, <laughs> like it
1: would be better if
4: that didn't. happen. But it's, it's going gonna happen to this happen, year. Yeah, it it's happen gonna this year. Let it happen this year. It's going to happen.
2: Every goalie gets lit up, and a twenty-year-old making his twenty-first career start against the highest-scoring team
1: of my goddamn lifetime. Like it's just. Are the way- we are we going to talk about Nikita Kucherov? Like I feel like. We should. He's not a flyer, and I know we have Ice Sport. Uh,
2: I I don't remember if you were on the episode of Ice Sport where I wanted to rant about him winning the MVP simply because we've determined that. Well, Carter
1: Hart's going to win the MVP. We've determined
2: that, well, if you're Connor McDavid and just actively the best player, but your team doesn't get in, you're not even a finalist. But for some, somehow, like, we've also said, no, if your team's too good. And you're just the best player on that team. You can't be it. But then the midseason awards came out, and Kucherov won. So yeah, threw away I,
4: I, I will Hardy. say I will say that I'm concerned that we're going to overthink our way out of giving Nikita Kucherov yeah. the MVP. And like, like he, he's the MVP. Come, come on, guys. Come on.
2: If we do that, that's fine. We just have to strip Gretzky of all his heart trophies from when he was <laughs> winning them every year with a team stacked with Hall of Famers. It's fine. That's
1: fine. You can I, not give it to the best
2: player in the best team, but we have to take it away from the guy we gave it to. That's all. Like, yeah. it's
1: it's time that every everybody should be talking about Nikita Kucherov. Yeah. Like, not just Tampa Bay fans. Not just... People in Florida. I'll tell you, everybody. I'll tell you who's talking about, about
2: him, and it's Radko Gudas. But we'll get to that in <laughs> a second. First, uh, I want to talk about Brian Elliott. Uh, he played last night. He comes in, heart, you know, has the rough start. He gets lit up by the Lightning. Three goals on nine shots. Oh my God, that's Brian Elliott's music. A guy we <laughs> he hasn't played since mid-November in the NHL. Uh, got a couple of conditioning stints in with the Phantoms. Comes up, backs up. Uh,
4: I'll, be, I'll be honest. I thought he, I thought the Flyers were going to give us twelve goals. I, I thought I'm he was really going to get lit the fuck up so when they put him in he
3: performed admirably. he <laughs> had that
2: collision with Provov, like, right after he came in. I was like, Ed
3: yeah. Hart's next, not
1: <laughs> Yeah,
3: that was so We saw uh, that happen
2: concerning. to a goalie. Like, I think last season, a goalie got pulled, and then, like, five minutes later went back in and, like, got his shit together and, like, ended up playing real well. But anyway... Hold
1: on. Wasn't that the avalanche a couple years ago?
2: Might have been. I don't remember. I just remember it. Like, when, like, when Patrick gently. Raw
1: was the... Um, the coach and he was like, Well, he just needed to get his shit together. Am Maybe I making this that. up? No, I know that if feels that right. That's
2: kind of what happened. I just don't remember what team it was at all. Um but Elliot comes in, he clearly doesn't have a future with this team either way, and then they just acquired another veteran backup. So what what happens with Brian Elliott now? Is he traded for a box of chocolates or
3: I think he can get you like a fourth. Yeah? Yeah.
2: I don't know. I think he's worth <laughs> a Whitman sampler minus the chocolate-covered peanuts. That's I, not very nice.
3: I, I,
1: he's played one game since November 15th. I mean, he's an old goalie. Um, he has a pretty severe injury history as of the past couple of years. Uh, his save percentage is not bad, but it's also not great. He's fine. I, I just, like, he's fine. He's just some guy. I don't know what team needs just some guy. Like, if you're making a playoff push, you don't want just some guy. That's, uh,
2: to me, it's if you're making a playoff push and have concerns, but you're just looking for depth. Like, yeah, maybe yeah, we yeah. have a starter. But, like,
1: what team? Like, can you
3: think of any team? San Jose. That- Somebody somebody was talking. I forget who it was. No, San
1: Jose, didn't they just? I think they just picked up a goal. They, they're, they, oh, no. They're, 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 they're
4: rumored to get Ryan, Ryan Miller. Ryan Miller. Which I,
1: which I actually think is. is a great oh, wow. move yeah, that's for them. That would be good
2: yeah. for them. Yeah, that's absolutely a good that's, move. Yeah, that's right, the well, rumor. I don't know. I, I'm just asking what you think about his value around the league and what teams are looking for. I what do you think?
4: I just don't think. And look. I think the Flyers are in a position where if somebody calls them up and says, "Hey, we want Brian Elliott," they're like, "Yeah, go ahead." Yeah, and, here, and then you know, here's give us a six round pick mm-hmm. or a conditional seventh or whatever, and here and here you go. But I'm just skeptical that any team that's making a playoff push would trust him to stay healthy. No, like yeah. that. That's just my thing. And. and to pick him up, he would presumably be your backup. And I don't know if you can trust him as a backup to stay healthy. And he's not—he doesn't have the cachet anymore for anybody to trade him with the— like. Like with the Flyers doing with Talbot. The Flyers are trading for Talbot to see if there's a fit for him to re-sign him. I don't think Brian Elliott brings the cachet of anybody being like, man, we need to get a jump on Brian Elliott's market. Oh yeah, no, I've like, been no, saying... No, he's going to be out there in free agency for quite a while. I my
2: answer to what's going to happen with Brian Elliott in post-games for months now has been, to me, it makes no sense for him to play this year. Like, if I was him, I would say... I've been hurt. I got myself completely healthy and then hope for a tryout this summer. Just be like, hey, I'm healthy. I'm good. You know I'm good because I took the time off to actually get myself healthy rather than rush myself back like I did last year. But hey, he's going to play. He looked pretty good last night. Uh, They waived Mike McKenna. That's what happened. Did yeah, they actually yeah. this yeah. afternoon. Yeah, that, that, on, that was inevitable. Yeah,
4: he's still on cap friendly, but I didn't. Well, I didn't that's because know. he can't be sent down until tomorrow, yeah. presuming he clears, and he might not clear. Maybe Vancouver picks him back up and stashes him in the AHL because they already tried it once, and now they, if they pick him up, they don't have to re-wave him to get him down of the AHL. They can just assign yeah, him there.
2: People are going, "Oh my God, they have four goal." I'm like, McKenna is not going to stay. No, nah. uh, if if he clears and they send him to the Phantoms, good for him. Yeah, you know, fine. He's, you know all that stuff about him moving a million times, but I mean get- the
1: only goalie that they have with the Phantoms right now is Alex Lyon and he just came back from Well they have
4: that other guy we're right? at the guy who they keep bringing up from oh, the BC Yeah that dude
1: who I just learned his name when I went to the Phantoms game last week. <laughs> oh you're a thing. All right fam, we have a bit of a uh, a bit of a
2: treat for you. We're gonna throw this now to an interview that was done with Brad Marsh. So uh, ahead of this alumni showdown on Friday, here is an interview with Brad Marsh.
1: This is Steph Driver. I am here with former Flyer Brad Marsh. Brad, how are you?
0: I'm doing great, thank you. Very good, very good.
1: Thank you so much for joining me. So we're here today to talk about a couple things. First of all, your time as a Flyer. So let's just start. What is your best Flyer's memory?
0: Well, there's so many of them. I was traded here in 1981, November of 81, and and my career. Then I was shipped out of here, if you will, in in, in, uh, 1988. Um, and so in that seven-year time frame there's so many neat memories uh, my memory of coming into the flyer Dressroom room uh, for the first time because they were still the Broad Street bullies at that time um, and, and you know from there it it's just was a cool uh, experience to be a, a flyer but you know obviously when you play professional sports, the goal is to win. And uh, we came close twice, 1985 and 97, but unfortunately lost to the Edmonton Oilers. And so, I mean, those, we had great teams, we had a great group of guys. And uh, so unfortunately my highlights both end on a sour note, but you know, that's the way it goes when you're playing, uh, you know, in the NHL.
1: Yeah. What's your favorite story from your time as a Flyer that is just one that you tell at parties or when you're meeting with people.
0: Well, once again, it's not so much that I'm a set up shop and I'm a storyteller, but yeah. so many people have so many questions, and uh, you know about this player and that player. You know, I always get asked, you know, what's Bobby Clark like, and you know, I was very fortunate to have him as a teammate, and then, as you know, he retired in '84 and became my boss, if you will. Yeah. Um, and so that was a neat experience, you know, having you know, experiencing Clarky from both ends of the. Of, of the hockey spectrum, if you will. And uh, so just, you know, lots of good stories. I'm happy to talk about them when people ask questions. But but once again, you know, the, the stories that people quite often ask about is when we lost the cup and how was that? And yeah. so I usually get uh, mad. Yeah. I was looking for if I could use an adjective <laughs> or not. But uh, anyhow, it, it you know, it, it is uh, upsetting is the wrong word, but it's still, you know, front and center that you know, we especially in '87 when we went to seven games. You know, we were right there, and you know you can go back and analyze the game and so on and so on. But at the end of the day, Edmonton uh, scored more goals than us in, in Game Seven. And so I, I, the the best stories come in and around winning and losing, if you will. And uh, but lots of great friends uh, for the, your listeners that would remember uh, Miroslav Dvorak. He was the first. Uh, Czechoslovakian player they weren't two countries back then so he was the first Czech player to be allowed to leave the country legally and so he came to the Flyers Uh, Keith Allen drafted him he came to the Flyers he got permission to come and so we became great friends and uh, I was over visiting him many times and so uh, stories I like talking telling uh, stories about him and learning the the American way of life if you will and uh, you know, we go on and on. There's there's just great memories and great stories.
1: Great. So you've played for a handful of teams. Yeah. What is so special about the Flyers that made you want to stay?
0: Well, um, it, it, it's it's a unique atmosphere because of Mr. Snyder. Mm-hmm. And if you look at professional sports teams and all the sports, just not the NHL, especially nowadays. They're owned by a hedge fund or a corporation or or or, or whatever. Whereas you know, Mr. Snyder um, was one of the, the, the last single owners. Like, he he bought the team in 67, and he owned the team right up until he passed away. And and you don't see that in, in professional sports. You don't see that in, in real businesses type of thing. Like, family businesses are long gone now. And uh, um, so that's what made it special. And... Uh, you know, he wasn't much older than the guys in 1967 when he, when he formed the Flyers. And so there was a sense of, of uh, the real sense of team right from the beginning, and it was always there. And then when I came here in 88, once again, Mr. Snyder wasn't that much older. But uh, then, you know, his, his kids were the same age as the players on the team. And so, you know, we were friends with Jay and Lindy and so on and so on. And so it really was a family growing up. And uh, all the decisions made in the early years and through my years, of course, in the 80s and 90s, when uh, Mr. Snyder was, was very much in control of the Flyers, um, um, was the decisions made were, were based on family. Mm-hmm. They weren't necessarily made on business. They're based on family. And there's all kinds of stories. I mean, he, he could have moved the Flyers to a different site to get a better deal in a better arena, maybe move across the river and all that, mm-hmm. but no, we belong here and my Flyer fans want to come see the team here. So everything was made with family in mind, and whether it's the players, the people that worked here, or the fans. Everybody was part of the family. And So that's, that's what jumps out at a new player that comes into the organization.
1: Great. So before we jump into the Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation, just one more hockey question. How has the game transformed since the time that you were playing to present?
0: Wow. I started in the 70s and finished in the 90s, and so there's a lot of changes. And the most obvious one is the physicality of the game. Um, And I don't necessarily mean fighting, but the the, the body checking, the open ice hitting, uh, and the fighting. Um, It's... It's not there anymore. It's a game of speed. It's it's a you know a game of a quick puck movement. Um, when when I played or you know back in the days, the, the game was north south for the most part, uh, a dump and chase game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now they're weaving and they're crisscrossing and they're regrouping and they're circling and uh, it, it's it's a very fast paced game. And I think you can trace that back. Edmonton, the team that we lost to in the 80s. You know, they changed the way the game was played. They were very fast uh, moving, uh, a lot of weaving and, and so on and so on. So I'm not going to sit here and debate which one's good and which one's better and so on and so on. The, the game of hockey is exciting because we are the, the only professional sport. And when I say professional sport, I'm, uh, I'm talking hockey. Uh, football baseball and basketball I know soccer's on the rise but I didn't grow up a soccer fan so I still don't talk about them Uh, but you know in the game of hockey all 20 players play and all 20 players contribute to the game Uh, you know baseball it's basically the pitcher he throws the ball and somebody catches it but not all what do they have a 25 man roster Sure. In baseball, whatever I cover hockey, yeah. I kind
1: of know. <laughs> Not
0: everyone plays. Yeah. And the pitcher only pitches mm-hmm. once every five games. And you know, same with in basketball, they there's their starters pretty much play the game. Yeah. Um, and I'll go. You know, football's football, but in hockey, all 20 players contribute. Yes, some play a little bit more than others, mm-hmm. but everybody that sits on that bench, with exception of the of the alternate goalie that night. He'll play the next night, but all 18 skaters contribute in the game, and uh, if Brad Marsh has the puck coming up the ice, I have limited capabilities of what I'm going to do with it. If it's Mark Howe coming off the ice, he can do whatever he wants with it because that's how good Hall of Fame Mark Howe is, and so The game of hockey is exciting. It always has been exciting and always will be exciting simply because there's so many variables within the game. Everybody plays and everyone plays has different ability. And so the game complexion changes at a moment's notice.
1: Yeah. All right, great. So let's just jump right in. We're here to talk about the Flyers alumni versus the Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation alumni game that's happening on February 22nd. Tell me about what it feels like to carry on Ed Snyder's legacy.
0: Well, it it feels pretty good because if you look at our alumni, we have guys that that played on the original team. Joe Watson still plays with us. And so he speaks very fondly of the early days, but a number of the Stanley Cup guys still play with us. And if they can't play, they still come out to our alumni games. And so, you know, uh, I spoke about Mr. Snyder earlier and, uh, you know, as Mr. Snyder, should I say, grew older and and wanted to leave his mark as if the Philadelphia Flyers franchise wasn't enough for Philadelphia, or I should say the Delaware Valley, but uh, he wanted to do something else, and he created the Snyder Youth Hockey, and so so many of our alumni guys um, were with Mr. Snyder and That first practice that they had with the underserved kids in in the Philadelphia communities. And so the guys are super pumped uh, about the game, but more importantly, they're very excited that all our fundraising initiatives that we've done over the last two years are going towards uh, the the renovation and uh, the, the overhaul if you will of the class of 23 rink where, where Snyder youth hockey is going to kind of headquarter they're going to manage the facility and uh, they're going to have summertime programming there and so uh, we're just we're just tickled pink that we were able to do something to honor mr. Snyder and, you know quite simple when, when our board got together um, you know this is this is our way of saying thank you and it's as simple as that we we, we pledged $2 million, and so we're, we're getting there. Um, and so on Friday night, the 22nd of February, it's going to be r- really neat to be able to play a game uh, against the kids that some of our alumni guys were on the ice with years and years and years ago, and to see that, that they've grown up to be uh, not only good hockey players, but good people.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. Tell me about the Class of 23 Arena. and Why is it so special?
0: Well. It's funny that, and I'm sure you've seen the new practice facility yep. where the Flyers are play, are practice in Voorhees and now. It's beautiful. We used to practice at the cl- Class of 23 rink. Well, I did when I came here in 81, but the Flyers were practicing there in the 60s and, and through the 70s, and we moved to the Coliseum in, in Voorhees in 1983, I think. Uh, and so there's a long history of Flyers at the Class of 23, and no disrespect to the class of 23 rink but it was a dump yeah and it was a dump in the 60s and 70s <laughs> and when i got traded here uh, in 81 i walk in and i says are you kidding me this is the practice facility like there's <laughs> there's no exercise exercise wasn't really part of the game but uh you know there was there was just a, a dressing room it was freezing cold all the time and we had a cinder block that held open the door, so you can come in and out. And and
1: uh see the yard facility. That's right. And
0: so um, to think that after all this time and all these years that we're fundraising money, two million dollars, we're donating to the fundraising. I'd love to know what the rink cost the, the, originally. The class of twenty three <laughs> built it, which is great. But I, I'd love to know what they paid for to the for the construction of the rink back when. Um, So it's kind of neat that uh, we are going to revamp the rink that so many of us started our flyer careers on.
1: Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about the game and and how people can get involved.
0: Well, the game is is just meant to be a fun, friendly, if you will. Um, You know, the tickets are $15. uh, So we we just want to fill the place and have people come out and and, uh, enjoy the night. Uh, It's going to be... I don't know how good the hockey's going to be, but uh, it's just going to be a fun night. We have uh, Lou Nolan's coming to do the announcing, Lauren Hart's coming to uh, sing the national anthem, and we have all the flyer personalities, if you will, all going to be there making it a real nice atmosphere. Uh, Willie O'Ree's going to be there to drop the puck, and uh, all the Snyder uh, minor hockey kids are going to be there. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a great night, and it's just going to be fun, fun, fun. We've invited all of our sponsors that have helped uh, us do our fundraising over the years, that have allowed us to make this huge donation. Uh, so they, they're coming, um, you know, just to enjoy the night as well. So it's going to be a, a fun night from from start. To end and so as I said the, the tickets are 15 bucks they can go online and, and purchase them or go to your website and purchase them and you'll fill everybody in on those details I'm I, sure but yeah. it's just going to be a good night and it's Scotty Hartnell's first game as a Flyer alumni, so everyone's got to come see Scotty play. Of course. And so we were teasing; he's a rookie all again now. He's, he doesn't. None <laughs> I'm of sure this, he
1: loves that. Yeah,
0: none of this veteran stuff. He's he's down at the bottom of the pole, and and Joe Watson, uh, who as I said is going to play in the game, he'll put him in his place.
1: Excellent. Yes. Excellent. I'm yes. looking forward to okay. it. So Broad Street Hockey will be there we will also for people who aren't local and not able to make the game we're going to be streaming audio and video and you'll be able to find that on our patreon site and i'll send details for that following this interview um and you'll be able to find it also on broadstreethockey.com is there anything else about the ed snyder youth hockey foundation or flyers alumni that you want people to know
0: um you know what it's uh, it's just whenever i speak I, i always tell people to make sure you go home and Google, or look up Snyder Youth Hockey, because when I talk, it doesn't do it justice until you see the facts and and, and the success that Snyder Youth Hockey has ha, ha, has had over the years. And and I, I shudder to think where all these kids that haven't had the helping hand from Snyder Youth Hockey would be if it wasn't for that program. There's so many success stories. The graduation rate. Uh, Etc. The college, the kids going into college and graduating from college, graduating from high school, staying in school—it's just phenomenal. So, like, I just encourage everyone to go online and, and read about it, and uh, or they can come to the game. We're going to have an awesome program that's going to explain everything about uh, about the Snyder Youth Hockey. So. Uh, Anyhow, it'll be good. I hope to see everybody at the game.
1: Excellent. And again, Brad Marsh, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll follow up with details about how you can attend the game.
0: Awesome.
2: Okay. Uh, The goodest thing came down today. He basically clubbed Nikita Kucherov. That happened. um, What the... What was he thinking? Such a weird he play. doesn't well, think. Yeah, I know. That's a bunch... Like, some of my friends texted me who are not Flyers fans, and they're like, what happened with that? I was like, I don't know. He just does big, dummy things sometimes. Yeah, he's
3: just a big, dumb he's, animal. Uh,
2: I get, it's one of those times where you're like, maybe he shouldn't have a sword.
3: <laughs> he uh, definitely should not have should a not sword. He
2: should not have a sword. Did you... I was shocked, considering that his last suspension was 10 games for hitting someone in the head with his stick. Yeah. I am shocked he only got 2 games for hitting the presumptive Hart Trophy winner over the head with his stick.
3: I think shocked
2: I- yeah, I think it's because we,
3: like we said ahead of the show, it was just kind of like a little boop. Boop. Yeah, that's With what, like... Stick. It wasn't like a if hard, you see the aggressive whole thing, thing. If yeah. you see
2: the whole thing in real time, I'm like, I mean, it's not a, deca- like people, another decapitation attempt. I'm like, okay. It really had nowhere near the intent of the no. Malkin thing, but it's Gudis, and he did hit a superstar player over the head with his stick. Still, so I can't believe it wasn't at least ten.
4: The weird part about it is, They're, are they it, buddies? It like, didn't look violent. No, like aside from the fact that he hit him on yeah. the head with a weapon, like <laughs> it didn't look particularly violent. I love this sport. Like, you would think that that if if Gudis was actually trying to. Like legitimately hurt Kucherov, he would have brought it he down with some force. It. Yeah, that's the but thing. he just kind of was like, "Hey, you know, what would be funny if I hit him on the head with my stick." Like, yeah, that's the what thing. the
2: hell were you doing, it was, man? Anything? It was just <laughs> stupid as hell. Like you did nothing. You did nothing to take him out. Like you didn't hurt him. No, uh, and the, uh, I, I, you just put your team down when they were trying to
4: make another, uh, trying to complete the trilogy of third period comebacks. You, you know what? You team. know what? It kind of reminded me of, and it was almost like the reaction of Kucherov reminded me of it too. That classic video of Laviolette. <laughs> Doing his, the his on, on the yeah. bench pep talk, and he punches punch Leno. And yeah. Leno yeah. literally like turns, and is like, what wait, that? did that just happen? <laughs> like I that was kind of what it remind, reminded did me. I yeah. just get punched by my boss at work. <laughs> I mean, honestly,
3: it it didn't. I I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't even know that he was going to do it. Like you were talking about, if you watch the entire watch play, the video, yeah. His stick gets lifted up, and he's kind of just bringing it back down. And I don't think he thought for a second that maybe someone's head was there. Because he's a
4: big dumb animal.
1: I I think that he meant to do it. I just don't think he meant it to be violent. Yeah, Nah.
4: it was yeah. just. A, and and I the just... thing with Gudis is he's Gudis, so <laughs> yeah. you had to suspend him oh, yeah. because he doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt anymore. No, like when when somebody has done the shit that he's done, you have to suspend him for that yeah. because it was stupid. And yeah, there wasn't an injury. Yeah, it didn't seem Kucher seem like Kucherov was especially angry about it. That's the thing, but you no kind of had like, to do it. No one jumped him. No, like, no it wasn't this yeah. huge thing. Like the Malkin one,
2: obviously worse minus. So much worse! But there was no result. He just like missed. He missed. Yeah. So there's nothing bad happened. There was no. Kucherov wasn't going to be injured on this play. But it's like. To Ken Campbell calling him a menace is hilarious. Um, that to me. was
1: hilarious. A menace can, who doesn't learn.
3: Can you read it? Do,
1: do we have it somewhere? Oh, I can God. pull it up. Hold on. Pull it up because the the way that he dramatic. described it, it was the was most dramatic thing. Down It was. Ridiculous! I just
2: had to. It's hilarious. So,
1: as as an aside, while Kelly's looking for this, when you said, "Did I just get hit by my boss at work?" All I could think of was the quote that happened last night with John Tortorella telling everybody that Artemi (laughs) Panarin shit shit his pants. Pants. (laughs) Seriously, pooped in his pants and is very sick, vomiting everywhere. John Tortorella told the world that his employee or his his team. Member. member of his team. Shit is pants.
2: You know, there, there seems like there's
4: there's a rule apparently in the NHL where we're not allowed to yeah. say what's wrong with our players unless, unless it's disgusting. Unless their- yeah. <laughs> I, oh yeah. Uh,
2: what was what was it actually? What was Strike's It was the pub-
4: detached pubic D- plate.
2: Yeah. Pubic plate. That's what. Yeah. Like that's your dick, yeah, when, bro. Yeah. When he broke his dick, uh, yeah. we can totally we can tell you whatever. that. Talk about but that. everything else is a lower body injury. I always, <laughs> to me, my biggest thing with it is what's a wrist? Is a wrist an upper body or lower body? Upper.
3: Uh, upper. Really i, I know. mean i guess it it's spends a lot of, of time arm. in the
4: lower yeah i
3: know it's on your arm though but yeah it's I, on your arm i have the tweet if you want me to read I, it yeah. yes yeah read the, the ken campbell tweet yeah so nhl player safety department likely by design hasn't specified whether radko gudis hearing for his slash on nikita kucherov is in person or over the phone it should be in person and the suspension should be enormous he is a menace who is incapable of learning enough is enough
4: <laughs> That's great. I love it. Like,
3: like honestly. And, like, he deserves <laughs> him. You have to, yeah, him. You have to is, suspend yeah. him. And it
2: was really stupid. But like to watch that play and be like, he's the problem. A like, menace. You know I mean? Alright, I don't know. Calm I, down, I, I, bro. I, I, last night I didn't think the suspension was gonna be huge, but I did think it was possible because it is Radko, yeah. And like I said, it's a repeat offense of something he just got suspended for, but it is what it is. Uh, we get to see Phil Myers now, right? He's Yay! gonna play in the outdoor game, I assume. Phil, I mean, that's what
1: it seems like. How did yeah. we like?
2: How did we like Phil in the uh, in the Sunday game? I thought
3: he looked good. Yeah, I he, he looked very good. He looked, happy. He looked like he fit, which was really all that I needed. Yeah, like he didn't look. I always wonder when a guy gets called up for the first time if he's going to look out of place, like if he's gonna look like he needs to get up to NHL speed, if it's gonna look like he can't really keep up with the with the guys in the NHL, and I didn't see any of that with Myers.
4: What I liked about him, and I guess I should have known this because like, he's a big dude and he's not physically weak, but... I was impressed with how strong he looked. Like there were a couple times in front of the net where he was just boxing the shit out of people in front of the net, and I was like, "Man, not only like not only does he look physically ready, he looks more physically ready than quite a few of the NHL defensemen who have yep. been in the league for like on the Flyers that have been yep. in the league for multiple seasons. Who he have looks giant
3: contract. Yeah, like he
4: looks more physically ready than Andrew
2: McDonald. Yeah, everyone in this room looks more well, not me, but
4: everyone well, else in this room looks more physically ready than Andrew McDonald. Listen,
1: I don't know about that um, but you just, could just you can could, could
4: see him he was just like completely <laughs> boxing out screen the like guys were yep. trying to screen hard and he's just like no you're not you're not doing it i'm gonna get in your way and that's the kind of stuff that like how, how long we've we been screaming about that on the penalty kill
3: and he yeah. was aggressive as hell which that's i really like
2: the the aggression and that's when you look at him and sanheim and sanheim obviously first round pick and all that and i expect him to get bigger but they you just look at their measurements and go oh they're the same and then you look at them actually playing and go, oh, wow. Yeah, Phil's a big
1: guy. He's, yeah. a, He's a big, boy, big strong big boy. boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, In uh, awe of the size of that Gutis, <laughs> uh Goudis
2: is going to be suspended uh, up until after the trade deadline, but I expect him to rejoin the blue line. What else do you believe should be done? Uh, but what, do you, what should they do with this blue line? Obviously, we all want McDonald out, what do you, but what do you
4: think is going to happen? What happens after the deadline, et cetera?
3: I don't think anything's going to happen now.
4: Yeah, I think the safe money is nothing for, yeah. at the trade deadline. It could happen, but this—if—if if you were—if you were putting odds on this, the best odds would be nothing.
3: Yeah, I think free. If they're going to get a defenseman, it'll probably be a free agents.
1: I mean, Sam Moran is playing. He's playing in Lehigh Valley. Um, I, I went up to a game on Friday.
4: He played Friday.
1: He played Friday. But then, but then he, he didn't.
4: Fine. He didn't play on Saturday and uh, Saturday and Sunday because apparently he was just he was cramping on Friday. Okay, and then he was dealing with dehydration. So they're like, we're gonna sit you down. But apparently he's gonna play again this week. Okay. Which makes sense. I mean, the guy I hasn't played since last that. May, so
1: it's been, it's been a long yeah. time since he's played hockey. Does but... that
4: affect his, the clock at all on mm-hmm. the conditioning stint? So, like,
2: if he sits two games, does that mean he can spend more time down there? Well, because so I feel like this is some sort of manipulation.
4: Well, I don't think it's manipulation, okay. but I do believe so. Right now, to get into some CBA stuff, right now he's what he's on what is called a long-term injury conditioning stint, and the, the words "long-term" make you think it's a longer conditioning stint. It's not. It's it's in reference to the nature the injury, of the he's injury. because he's coming back from a long time. And basically what it allows for the Flyers to do is it allows the Flyers to let him play games in the AHL without officially activating him on the NHL roster. Because at the moment, the Flyers are maxed out on contracts, so this gives them the opportunity to let him play games without actually taking up an NHL roster spot. Interestingly enough, because it's a different type of conditioning stint. It's only six days or three games, whereas the the actual conditioning stint where you activate a guy, that's 15, 15 days. So you get, or two weeks, some either 15 days or two weeks. So it's a shorter span. But what the Flyers theoretically could do, and this is what I believe was probably their plan all around, was that, I give him the long term conditioning stint. He plays three games. Rather than immediately activate him to the NHL roster, they would just put him back on IR wait until after the trade deadline, because after the trade deadline, then you can have as many players in your roster as you can fit under the cap. Mm -hmm. Then they would activate him to the NHL roster, and boom. They just wanted to—he was ready to play. They wanted to give him the games. They were able to give him the games under this long-term conditioning stint thing. Things are a little bit more complicated now because now he can't play. So now he has—he's only used the one game. He's got two more games that he can play before they have to make that decision on the conditioning stint. But— I still think eventually, I don't know exactly what the Phantom schedule is for this weekend, but my guess is that they're going to, you know, they'll put him back on IR, wait till after the trade deadline, activate him, and he'll be part of the, the eight defensemen that are up.
2: AHL schedules are nuts.
1: They're
4: man. wild. Oh, yeah. They
2: play like four and five and mm-hmm. three in a row and all sorts all of crazy time. shit.
1: Um, what's I, up? Oh, I want okay. to talk about the AHL just for a second, okay. but let's go to the interview with Bob Kelly
2: yes we have uh we have the hand now we're gonna have the interview now like i said the flyers alumni showdown this friday at the class of 23 arena at penn here's an interview for it
1: this is steph driver and i am here with bob kelly bob thank you so much for joining us thanks for having us all right so let's just jump right into flyers questions <laughs> Flyer. what is your favorite story about your time with the flyers
5: well, I have a lot of stories. I've been here since 1970. That's three, ap- three years after they came into existence. And uh, along with Joe Watson, uh, who's still here, um, you know, we've seen a lot of things, a lot of many, many things, and we have many, many stories. But uh, the, the, you know, I think just the idea of the atmosphere of, of being here in Philadelphia, the fans around you, and that. I mean, every day is a new adventure here. And uh, it's a great place to be.
1: So you've played for a couple different teams. Why did you decide to stay with the Flyers?
5: Um, well... You know, start with, we don't make the millions of dollars that the kids make today. So therefore, um, uh, you know, you got to go to work when you get done. And the kids say they they train for 11 and a half months a year where, you know, we used to have, we used to have like six, six months off, four months off, depending how well you played. And training camp used to be, you know, six weeks long. And now it's one day and then, and then they're playing. So a lot of things have changed over there. but, uh, I just spent 10 years here. Uh, in the 10 years we're here, we were fighting for the Stanley cup four times, which was pretty cool. And then, uh, I got shipped off to Washington. I played there for a year and a half. I wasn't happy with the new management and coaching that came in. So I basically told him to shove it. And I came home Christmas, December 19th, I drove home and, uh, uh, I guess at that point in time, 32 was considered wow. old, so I, I had to go to work and I started uh, embedding in the community with my kids going to school yes. and everything like that. So, uh, never left, no need to go back home.
1: Yeah, I get that. I yeah. get that. So, what makes the Flyers organization special?
5: Well, it started at the top with Mr. Snyder, uh, Keith Allen, the general manager underneath, uh, Fred Sherrill, who we, we plucked from the Rangers back from Omaha. Uh, it was really a unique cast of characters, but the core was together for so long. Uh, starting with bobby clark and and just the whole atmosphere it's all about winning what can mr snyder always say what can i do what can i do to make things better for you guys how can you what can we do for you he's always what can i do for you and it's uh, you know it's just a great atmosphere it's all about the team and uh, we just had a, a great group of guys no cell phones to take pictures of you doing if you're messing up or whatever we didn't have the scrutiny that they do now when they they with the analytics and dissecting the game it was fun you go out there and you just have fun and different kind of hockey back there you know it was uh we were the uh first expansion team to win the stanley cup but just come here as, uh, as 12 teams there were six when, when uh you know we used to watch all those guys so to be on the ice with the original six teams just doesn't get any better than that you know and everybody knows who the original six guys are so yep, yep.
1: what was your biggest rivalry
5: well we want to always thank the st louis blues boston Bruins, and the montreal canadians for creating job opportunities for us guys obviously known as the bullies so uh, we used to take fighting to a whole new length, uh, the rule book was not that thick and now it's about uh, two feet high. <laughs> so uh, it was just the way the brand of hockey was played back there. There was definitely skill, uh, goaltenders were much more athletic than they, I think they are today, um, some of them, and uh, the, everything's changed, the equipment, the rules, the training, everything. So. Um, other than the money, which, you know, anybody can have money, but it doesn't make you happy, but the memories that we have from the 10 years that we spent together, most of us all played 6, 8, 10 years together, yeah. so it's pretty cool. You really get to know each other, you watch the families grow up and uh, tr- truly a band of brothers.
1: So we hear a lot of stories about friendships that last over the, over the decades. Do you hold any grudges from your time as a player?
5: Uh, towards my teammates or towards other teams?
1: Oh, other teams or other no, other players? No,
5: no, God, no, no. Because they're you're there to do a job, and everybody knows what the job is. Every every team had tough guys, three, four tough guys. I mean, one fight starts, next thing you got a bench clearing brawl, which you can't do today. You'll get life in prison. But uh, you know, most of, most of the guys are really good. There's there's the odd jack, you know, around, but uh, most of the guys are real good guys, just doing the job like we were.
1: How about against teams? Do you hold grudges against other teams?
5: no actually you just enjoy the stories you know you go into you went in the old chicago stadium you're like a gladiator coming out of the basement of the building the organs playing you go into detroit they're throwing you know octopus at you and they're hanging you go into buffalo they got dave schultz swinging as a mannequin with a rope around his neck you know the headlines the paper you know lock your doors keep your children inside the bullies are coming to town so you know it's all it was all it wasn't part of an act it was just the way we played and what we were allowed to do and you know it's just uh, just a fun group of guys to be with.
1: Excellent. So how does it feel to know that you're carrying on Ed Snyder's legacy through the, youth Snyder, the Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation and the Flyers alumni?
5: Well obviously it was Mr. Snyder that started everything but the the focus is that uh, what he's done for us we all have something in common that everybody's gone through here has touched Mr. Snyder one way or another and he's touched us so uh, it's fitting that we can get all the different decades together to, to partake in it, because uh, everybody has that one theme, which is Mr. Snyder, and it's really it's really cool he's done. And I know Brad talked a little bit about it, but it's like these kids, you know, uh, they're in the hood; they got nowhere to go. Um, school's tough on them. Gangs are out there. Drugs are out there, and we they like to grab them around six years old, seven years old, get them in the program. And now, through the contacts that Mr. Snyder made, you know, these kids can get a full scholarship free. You know, I think we're dealing with like six universities right now, colleges the kids can go to. So they can actually, and in high school gets pretty rough for them, they actually, we can put them into a private high school. So it's all the funding. The board is real, real strong. Uh, obviously, Mr. Snyder's departure. Sadly, too soon, uh, Dave Scott has taken over on the board along there. And, I mean, we just great. Board of people running this thing they're, they're high powered people and it's all about the kids and what they can do and it's uh, it's when you when you go there and you see the, the improvements the city made in the rinks that are ready for a rehab as well too uh the kids get into it and when they leave they don't forget they come back you know and uh, that's what we're going to play with we're going to be playing their alumni
1: <laughs> excellent so yeah. tell me a little bit more about the game it's going to be flyers alumni against the youth hockey alumni
5: yeah, well, you know what? we got a pretty good team. I I know that uh, we talked about Scott Hartnell's first uh, first game as alumni, and uh, I might have to sit him on the bench. I'm a coach. So, uh, <laughs> nice. I've had my fun of playing. Joe's the oldest at 75 playing. I said, Joe, I'm 68. It's time to shut down. All you can do is get hurt. No, 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 no. I'm going to play. I'm going to play. So he loves to play. The competitive edge is still there. He's still the same. He's two and a half hours early in the locker room to get ready. He's wearing his 1968 underwear and, and equipment there. So it's a little bit on the old side, but he's a competitor. He always was on the ice. He'd do anything for you. And the game should be a lot of fun. Like we have some different things planned uh, to make it entertaining. Like I said, we got Lou one coming, Lauren Hart sets it off a little bit. And then we'll have a, quite a few guys there as well too, obviously. So uh, it'll just be a fun time. It's hockey. Everybody can play.
1: Excellent. So what is what is your strategy as the coach?
5: Uh, well, to I'm going to put Marshy on the bench quite a bit. I don't need him out on the ice. Um, yeah, I'm saying it's, all, it's always to win, but it's to, it's to be competitive. Um, first game that Riley Cote retired, he came out and played with him. He scored 12 goals. I said, Riley, there's no contract at the end of the game here, so don't, so I don't know what <laughs> Hartsey's going to do, but uh, they love seeing Danny. Kimo's excellent. They're fun to play with, and uh, you know, I just want to have a fun time for people to have fun. We're not there to crush them. Hopefully they don't crush us. Um, and it's just a fun time for people to have fun. We're all about just having fun.
1: Excellent. So what's one thing that people may not know about the uh, Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation?
5: Um, it's been out there quite a bit doing and probably just keep spreading the word to and bring new people. And we always they always encourage the kids, hey, go tell your buddy you should come play hockey and the girls can come play hockey and you know, explain to them what it is. And it's not easy getting your hockey bag in getting out and getting to the rink because you got so much pressure around you in your neighborhood and uh, but you're making a difference in your life and uh, you know hockey is a real is a real culture and uh, you know we're thriving in these areas and it's spreading um, you know we don't have any problems around the rinks and stuff like that and it's really it's really good so just keep spreading the word and I know the Eagles are doing their part and the Phillies try to do their part so the sixers are out there all the time doing things in the community and that's all you can do just keep giving back and keep you know bringing on new members to help out
1: excellent excellent so the event is friday february 22nd correct and it's at the class of 23 arena
5: yes do you
1: have good memories from the class of 23 arena
5: oh cold memories cold memories uh, i think it's probably been said before it's kind of on the dumpy side um not a whole lot of amenities in there it's really cold um but you know hockey is meant to be played outside we do play outside and, and it's all right in there but i think this uh, six million dollar uh, investment going into it, we tried to find some different sites. This makes the most natural sense. It's right there, um, so we can you know rehab it totally, uh, top to bottom, uh, especially inside, and make sure everything is good up upstairs, and and have some things in there. But it, it was a cold, cold rink. And then uh, actually in, in '95, Dave Schultz and I, we had the uh, Philadelphia Bulldogs roller hockey team here. We had actually had tryouts in there, and uh, so it's a multi-purpose <laughs> rink depending on the weather, You you play lacrosse in there if you want to. So it's it's really, it's just, it'll look great when it's all done.
1: Excellent. Excellent. So again, the event is on the 22nd and tickets are $15. Tell us where we can find the tickets and and more information about Snyder Hockey.
5: You'll tell people where to find that stuff. You're right. I absolutely will. That way I won't mess (laughs) it up. I always let people introduce themselves. That way I don't mess it up.
1: Perfect. I will absolutely let everybody know. Uh, And you can find the audio feed and the video feed on our Patreon site. And broadstreethockey.com. Bob, thank you so much. It was great speaking to you. Pleasure's mine,
5: and uh, hopefully everybody comes out and uh, the guys are real friendly. They'll sign anything you put in front of them. So it's a good night.
1: Excellent. Thank you. Cool. I
4: think we're.
5: Okay, fam. Uh, these
2: Sturgeon and Lovejoy. <laughs> did he Durgin. did he
4: mean Spurgeon? I uh, he he had, had to. I
2: <laughs> had to. I
3: don't think he was talking about a fish. Like I don't So
4: so, so for people who aren't on Twitter, yeah, for the the the, the, we, the those people exist? Exactly? The did famous we, Eklund. That yeah, that's fair. The famous Eklund uh tweeted out today that the Flyers after the uh news of the Gudus suspension broke, yeah, right? Yeah. He was like Flyers lose a really good defenseman in Gudus for their big their key stretch. Now they might go out and get either Jared Spurgeon or Ben Lovejoy. First off, one this of is, those
2: guys is good. And those this guys is hilarious because yeah,
4: because is good and Lovejoy is nothing. Secondly, no, th- this doesn't. Like, if if you're going out and making a panic trade to try to make the playoffs <laughs> this year, yeah, then then I have serious issues with Chuck Fletcher. I have serious, yeah. issues? and I and I would love for them to get Spursion, that, but you don't do it because Rakogudas yeah. got suspended.
1: I have, no, you do it because maybe you traded Rakogudas yeah. to somebody I, who needs some grit.
2: I have serious issues with anyone who takes Eklund seriously. Well, uh, well. I, 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 last night, I'm talking about Mark Stone. And people are, like, oh, no, Eklund's reporting. He just re-signed with Ottawa. I have no idea whether he reported that or not because <laughs> I was on Facebook Live at the time, not on HockeyBuzz.com. Yeah. But the fact that people are, just take anything he says. I, I like Bill Meltzer a lot, and Bill Meltzer's a good dude, but Eklund, is is, it's a waste. It's a waste.
4: So there I'm I'm gonna throw a history a history thing here. This is me the history major. Eklund reminds me of this uh this World War II figure called the Tokyo Rose. Okay. And basically what the Tokyo Rose was was a, she was a uh, she was an American-born Japanese woman and she was working for the Japanese to basically throw propaganda out there to U.S soldiers and basically saying you're going to lose the war just just quit you know just 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 surrender it's it's not going to happen you need to do it and basically what ended up happening was all the american soldiers thought it was hilarious and they listened to it and basically all listened to her recordings and laughed about it because it's like this is just so utterly ridiculous and not based in fact whatsoever and that's the way i think people should and do view eckland as like it's just funny Listening yeah. to him come up with trade ideas that everyone knows are never going to happen.
2: Yeah, it's ju- it's so much just throwing it against the wall and s- like it, 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 I I just I don't I don't get it. Um, nope. So now, guys, it's time. It's time to finally discuss Stephanie Driver's favorite topic. I am wearing his jersey in tribute because he may have played his final game at the Wells Fargo Center. They have one more home game left, but it is, of course, going to be played at a uh, football stadium. So Wayne Simmons, number 17 in our hearts, or number one in our hearts, number 17 in our programs, alternate captain of the Philadelphia Flyers, the embodiment of the Broad Street Bullies in these – these last, I mean, his entire tenure here, he's just been, he's just been orange and black. That's been what he's been. Yep. What, uh, when, and where? When? You and know, Where?
1: There, there's this rumor. I don't know if it's substantiated. I don't know if anybody credible has actually said it. Uh, but there's a rumor that I saw. Uh, Wayne Simmons to Nashville for Eli Tolvanen, and I would. Pull, I am here. Like I would, yes. I would pull Nartemi Panarin for that. I would poop my pants. Yeah, if that were to happen, like that's who that I thought we got as fuck, Yeah, but, there are. Yeah, but if they're in win now mode, that's true, they are in win now mode. To me, there are three teams
2: that need to literally do whatever they possibly can. It's San Jose. It's Nashville. And it's... Uh, San Tampa. Jose doesn't want Tampa. him. Tampa, yeah. San, San Jose doesn't want him. I don't think San Jose needs Wayne Simmons. I'm just talking about teams that... Have to win. Need to, teams that should be operating under the assumption that this is it. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's Tampa, it's Nashville, and it's San Jose. I
4: don't think Nashville has to act like that because I think their cap situation is actually pretty good. But I do think... That just I, think I think I they're right to be aggressive. They have a very good team that honestly hasn't been performing as well as it should, and the reason why Simmons could theoretically fit with Nashville is that I almost... Oh,
1: their cap situation's real good, Yeah,
4: actually. I almost wonder if they would consider signing him. That That's the intriguing part about the Nashville thing is because they have the cap to consider re-signing him. Peter Laviolette loves Wayne um, Sinister, yeah, And Peter Laviolette has been... Not so subtly hinting in post game press conferences after his team loses games over the last two months that we could use more grit. Like that, he's he's trying to send a signal to 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 like get me someone like a Wayne Simmons, if not Wayne Simmons. So I could see that being something they prioritize. Granted, they got they got Boyle, so they got that like net front guy. But let's be realistic. Like Wayne Simmons is still a better net front guy than
2: I was gonna. I don't know. If It's still struggling, but I know their power play was a real issue for a lot of this season, yeah, and
4: it's still, yeah, okay. So, yeah, so he you could help there, you he could help
2: think. there. You would, yeah, you would with the defenseman they have and his ability to get in front, you would think he could help. Would
4: the they give play. up Tolvanen? I mean, if they would, that would be awesome. Seriously. I'm, not, I'm not holding my breath, but yeah. it'd be cool.
3: <laughs> there have been be cool. Tampa rumors as well, and then also today, I don't know if it was just Pensburg speculating, but they put up a post about him coming to Pittsburgh. Oh I could
4: not see them trading. I, think, I don't think they
2: that, would
1: trade with them. That was Pensburg, I believe, trying to rile up
3: the Flyers fan base. Oh, I, I don't care. I, I mean, believe what that
1: was. <laughs> I tried,
3: fam. It
2: wouldn't bother me if they traded him to the... I wouldn't be oh no, how could you trade him to the... Pen? Like, take the deal that gets you the yes. most. If that, like, the Charlie Coyle trade, if all you could get for Wayne Simmons was Ryan Donato in a fifth, I'll take it. I'd rather more, but if that's what it is... I'll take it. If you can get more from the Penguins, if you can get more from Tampa, whoever, I just want the most I can possibly get for him. Do
1: you think Wade Simmons is more valuable than Charlie Coyle? We, this was this is an interesting question because we couldn't quite figure it out during the, the SB Nation mock draft over the summer.
3: I
4: think
1: uh,
3: it depends on what the team needs.
4: I think their values aren't that far apart, but I do believe that Simmons gets the extra boost because of the grit tax. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. That that Coyle does not have, you know, Simmons brings the he's great in the playoffs, whereas Coyle is just, well, he's okay. But he's not doesn't have that man, I want him on my team in the trenches for the playoffs. But if you look at if you say that Coyle, the the return they got for Coyle is something like the floor for a Simmons return, like Brian Donato is a pretty good prospect. He's pretty good. He's he's got he's had an NHL experience. He's a he's a good I would call him like A good B prospect. And that's probably your floor for a Wayne Simmons trade, I would think, as long as Fletcher doesn't really muck it up. I think
1: that's fair.
2: I uh, Watching last night, I don't think Tampa needs Wayne Simmons, but if I was Tampa, I would do everything I could possibly do to bolster anything. Yeah, we... If I can improve a little bit, I'm doing it.
3: I talked about this with Matt on checking out the competition. He's actually the one that told me about this rumor. And he said the same thing. Like They don't really have a spot for Wayne Simmons that makes sense in their top nine. So he would probably be a fourth liner there, which is a good problem to have if your team's so good that Wayne Simmons is a fourth liner. But then are you getting the most out of Wayne Simmons if you're playing him fourth line minutes? Um, Probably. If you're putting him on your power play, I would say yeah. But he but... wouldn't
4: even be on the top unit because no, their top be their the top unit year. is yeah. so stacked. I, I yeah. I'm, I'm
3: looking at their top
2: unit like it's like oh my god. Yeah, second how unit. Do, for how sure. do they not score every time? Like
4: that's why Nashville always made sense to me because like they could put him on their top yeah. unit mm-hmm. in some way. I, I I wouldn't want to push anybody out of that top unit in Tampa. It's it's scoring at a 30% efficiency rate. Um to change of thing.
2: Toronto any, uh, they just I don't, don't want him. They yeah, just I don't. don't. So. Yeah, that's, uh, it looked like from the outside, it's like, yes, he's a fit, obviously. But then when you get into it and look at what Kyle Dubas is looking for, it's just not Wayne Simmons. Uh, I would like him to go there because I think they're a really good team. But That's
3: and kind of why I want home. him to go to Tampa yeah.
2: because they have a legit shot. It would be fun. Uh, the Watson interview now, is this which Watson? Joe. Joe Joe Watson now. We're going to throw it over to one more interview for you. We have Joe Watson ahead of this alumni showdown on Friday the 22nd. That's Friday. The Friday the 22nd. Yep. Joe Watson.
4: This is Charlie O'Connor from BSH Radio, and I'm here today bringing you an exclusive interview with Joe Watson, former Flyers defenseman. Do um, you have any good stories about the uh, the class of 1923 rink? I'm assuming you guys practiced there occasionally during the 70s?
6: <laughs> well, uh, yes, we did. Uh, good stories about it. Well, uh, our dress rooms uh, it would get very humid. And it was humid and everything else, it was cold in the rink, and our dressing rooms were very humid. There would be condensation dripping from the ceiling onto our equipment. And I remember a number of times coming into the dressing room in the morning, quite there was water all over the place. Our quit was drenched with rain water and everything else. So it was kind of horrendous. But <laughs> <laughs> those that that was probably the the one experience I remember that was very, very difficult to accept. But you know, here we're a National Hockey League team with a practice in a facility such as it is. And uh, it was a nice facility, but the condensation they had no they had no dehumidifiers in the dressing room, so consequently we, we suffered because of that. Yeah.
4: Uh, these these alumni games, they're exhibitions, but yeah. do they ever stop feeling competitive? Like I've talked to, to Bill Meltzer in particular and he says that, that you you take them still take them well, pretty seriously.
6: Well anybody can lose <laughs> but not anybody can win. It <laughs> takes a special breed to win, and that's just the way I look at it. Whenever I play, regardless of what I play. But uh, uh you know, we we we've played three games this year, Charlie. An alumni game. We normally have eight or ten, but we only played three this year, and we raised $157,000 for charity. Wow. We just had our last game here on on uh, on Sunday. Uh, we had a game Sunday, and we raised $67,000. Wow. Incredible amount amount of money for the first exhibition game to come and see the alumni play. You know, it really is. That's a it's a hell of a credit Major, to us.
4: Yes. It is. Does, our alumni. Does it surprise you how many people still well, still want to watch these games? Yeah, it does,
6: it does. Yeah, it <laughs> does. It really does because a lot of us don't move too quickly. <laughs> but we have a good time when we get out there. In fact, you know, my uh, I'm from British Columbia in Smithers, British Columbia and uh, and I got 20 guys coming down from Smithers for the Winter Classic game here next week. Yeah, And... Uh, uh, they want to play an alumni game against us on Sunday. We're going to play at my brother's rink oh, really? over in Aston, Pennsylvania. Yeah, we're playing my my boys from Smithers. <laughs> so that should be interesting. Uh, we're not having any referees. We're just going to go out there, and, and, and uh, we got a good collection of guys coming on our side. And I guess they have some of the players come from their side, so we should, we'll have a good time. But we love to play. I love to play Pete, you know, what the heck. But we'll have a good time. I'm looking forward to playing against some of my guys. These guys I haven't played against in years because I haven't lived up there in years. But we had next exhibition game in there four years ago, and I played a game uh, against some of the guys that I will be playing against played in this game that I played in. So it'll be nice to play against these guys and see these guys again. And uh, and uh, so I'm looking forward to that. But we have they game our game to get competitive. Like we were in, we were in Russia there last year, two years ago, and got pretty competitive. Uh, although we didn't we didn't beat the team we wanted to beat, but we got beat six to three to one game, and we had twelve thousand five hundred people at the game in, in Saint Petersburg, Russia. And we played Gazprom, very good team, but they had a lot of guys who just retired from that league, and they were thirty some, thirty five years old. And, here, I'm seventy-four, seventy-five at the time, trying to keep up with the guy. who was very difficult. <laughs> it was
4: <laughs> do you uh, do you remember how many of these alumni games you've done? Have you lost count at this point? Well or we so started many? in
6: eighty-four. We started in eighty four, Charlie, and we've probably I know we've raised over four million dollars. Wow. In in and since 1980, 1984. And some games, you know, I remember some game we started out early raising five hundred. Maybe a thousand, two, three thousand dollars, and they've just escalated into now, uh, where we're generating a lot of funds for uh, for the charities. We are, yeah, yeah. But we've done very well for ourselves uh, as alumni association raising all this money for charities. And I know a lot of people don't realize it. Uh, that's unfortunate, but. Uh, we do a lot of good work for charities in this area. We
4: really do. Yeah. Absolutely, yep. absolutely. Yep. Um, I'm, obviously, you know you have your your favorite teammates when when you played in the league, played with the Flyers. But that's, any that's... any guys who you didn't play with, who you've become friends with through these alumni games?
6: Uh, well, our alumni games are basically against teams in this area, so they have none of them ever played in the National Hockey League.
4: I, I guess I'm talking about Flyers like past year. Oh, era. past
6: years. Uh that we played against
4: we played with so played teammates with,
6: well <clears throat> um uh, you know the hound was one of my favorite bob kelly was one of my favorites uh, my brother of course he Obviously. played some games and ed van imp uh ed van Imp doesn't play though but my brother does my brother hasn't played in the last few years but he's going to play this game the 24th but the hound was one of my favorite guys and him and i i started the alumni in 84 with myself and two years later when the hound retired he came in and helped me out and, and him and I really built something really nice here. And now Brad Marsh is is head of our alumni association. Done a great job for our alumni. I we, mean, we've we've grown astronomically because of his involvement, and uh, and he does all these things. It's great. He does a great job for us. But uh, favorite, you know, just like the younger guys. Any of them? No, I don't know. I don't know a lot of the younger guys. Really don't. Brandon Manning, I knew very well, but Brandon's no longer <laughs> around. But he was from Prince George, not far from my hometown oh, okay. in British Columbia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. So one thing about the uh, the flyers that's in my mind pretty unique is the the sense of community that, yeah. the, that the alums have. It just it feels unique. It's, it's just that idea of like once a flyer, always a flyer. Yep. Like How does how does a team go about building that? You know, how does that get created? Well, I,
6: I think what what has happened is uh, we got a lot of we get a lot of invitations to go out and do charity work for various charities. And golf tournaments, uh, hockey games. Uh, uh, and we built a big following through that. And a lot of people remember the Broad Street Bullies. I mean, my God, even the younger people will say, well, my parents told me about this and that mm-hmm. and everything else. And, and it makes us feel good because they haven't forgot about us. And uh, it seemed whenever the alumni get involved in something, boy, we go hell-bent for leather. And <laughs> we do a hell of a job and people enjoy us and and I think it's just our commitment to the community and helping out wherever we can has really helped help the alumni and Mr. Snyder was a very advocate a very ad, big advocate, advocate of that, you know, of getting involved and, and being involved in the community and supporting people and then they in return support us And uh, but uh, it's just us staying involved in uh, in the community more or less and uh, and uh, try to create a lot of goodwill and uh, we have quite a few guys that that are really involved now more so than we had before when we played we've got other guys that have retired just retired recently and and they're getting involved with us which is really nice they made so damn much money they're not going to make much money playing alumni games but they want to get involved and it's because Brad Marsh has done a great job organizing everything he's done a wonderful
4: job it seems like once you know, once the wheels get in motion, obviously there's a lot of work behind the scenes, but it seems like everybody involved just takes a lot of pride in, yep. in keeping it together yep. and keeping what you've built together.
6: Well, take a look at the bike race that Brad, Brad's created. Oh right. my God, I'm either getting more and more people involved and a lot of people are coming out now supporting it, making a lot of money for charity. Uh, there's just a lot of things, a lot of things. Golf tournaments, we have golf tournaments galore and we invariably always go there, two or three or four of us will go to these golf tournaments and help out bring them bring them in you know bring them things they can auction off or or, or whatever uh, and people really appreciate that and we love being invited to something like this and long as we're respected when we go to these places because some people come up and not even say ask you they will just could I have an autograph not say please if people ask me for an autograph they don't say please then I don't give them an autograph I don't give them an autograph there's no way uh, so that's that. That's yeah. that.
4: Yeah. Uh, last question, and this is, uh, you, you talked about, about Mr. Snyder. Do you have a, a favorite Ed Snyder memory? <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I want to go back the very first year. Okay. Of the very first year we had training camp up in Quebec City. And uh, we're having training camp. And uh, one day I see this guy walk in the hallway. I didn't know who he was. And, and as we went by, he said hi. And I said hi. I thought he may be a press guy or something like that. And one of our guys mentioned that's our owner. I said, What do you mean that's the owner? He's too young to be an owner. <laughs> and it was Mr. Snyder. He was the owner of the team. And I said, He's too young to be the owner. And then he had his kids there with him. And we're having a meeting one day. Uh, Keith Allen was our, our coach. And we're having a meeting in the room. And his young his kids were running around throughout the rooms, everything else. And we're having a meeting in this room. And the kids were going back and forth through the room for Christ's sake. Somebody said, Well, who are they? Who are they? And they're, they're Mr. Snyder's kids. I said, really? <laughs> oh, my God. It was kind of funny. Uh, but, you know, uh, I couldn't believe I met the owner. I didn't know it was the owner of the team, for God's sake. But well, there's many stories about him. But that probably sticks out sticks out in my mind, how I first met the owner. <laughs> yeah.
4: That, yeah, That's great, Joe. Well, Joe, thanks so much for, uh, for know, taking time. You know, another thing talk. is, okay. Let's hear another case. one. Yeah. yeah.
6: So... Uh, three years ago, uh, just prior to him passing on, we went out to, uh, Clarkie and Bernie and I flew out to California to go visit him, and we were there for three days, as we are leaving he called me over, he said, Joe, he says, you know what, he says, people might know each other 50 years, but we've worked together 50 years also, he said that to me as whole. He said that it made such an impact on my life, and i had tears in my eyes, anything else, and, I mean, you might know a person fifty years, but not work together fifty years. And him and I were together 50, 50 years, so that kind of <laughs> kind of made, made, made a big impact. Puts it all in, in perspective. That. Yeah, 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 God, yeah. I think of him a lot, you know, of what he went through the first couple of years to raise funds, and and you know when we lost the roof there in February of two thousand or nineteen seventy or sixty eight. Um uh, we we played the last twenty some games like we were like vagabonds traveling all over the country playing various games and and I remember him telling me, he says, listen, I'm not gonna have enough money, I got no revenue coming in to to pay the bills and everything else, the salaries. I remember him distinctly telling me he went to uh Fidelity Bank. There's a guy named Bob Bear. Bob Bear, hold on. Bob Bear was it? Uh, Bill Bear, Bill Bear, and he was a hockey fan, and he played hockey at Harvard. And he said he told him what he needed. He says tomorrow, tomorrow, you'll have two million dollars in your account. And I needed. He said he needed two million dollars to keep this franchise going. And that's what he did, and and that's why he kept the franchise going uh. to because. But yeah, when we got thrown over our building, we lost the roof, eh? Yeah, We lost the roof. And uh, but. Uh, Yep, Tell that kept that kept that kept the franchise going. The franchise going. Bob Bear, Bill Bear, Bill Bear. He was a guy from Boston, and and he was kind enough to give Mister Snyder the money and that kept it going. And look at today. Look at look at what we have. Look at this buildings because of Mister Snyder. Yeah. Uh, guard was he started Mister Snyder's Spectaguard. He started uh, uh, SMG. Uh, you know. Back to the word, management group, which, which he sold, and then he started a new company. But it's all because of Mister Snyder. His vision, he had great vision, really a great vision. Yeah. So, but that's yeah, that was that. Yeah, I talk to him. Th- I think about him a lot, and I think about situations we've had here, and he's not around. And I, th- I wonder what he would do, <laughs> and I think I, I have an idea what he would do. <laughs> <laughs> we were struggling. Re- <laughs> we were struggling a while back. He wouldn't have stood for that very long. <laughs> I, I don't like, think so. Oh, no,
4: no, 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 no. Oh no, man. Well, Joe, thanks so much. Yeah, for, uh, Charlie. For yeah, taking God, the time. Yeah, really definitely. appreciate it. And good yeah. luck in the game.
6: Yeah, thank you. We'll have a good time there. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know what kind of a team they have, but we got we got a lot of good players, so it should be a lot of fun.
4: Yeah. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. All right. Well, again, thanks a lot.
2: All right, guys, uh, last thing I guess we're going to get to here is offseason priorities. There's a lot of talk today with the Charlie Coyle. As soon as the Charlie Coyle news broke, it was he's been traded and he— you know, we don't know where. So immediate speculation begins that, oh, uh, you know, he's got the connection with Fletcher, so maybe it was the Flyers. Uh, turns out that's not it. But, you know, the Flyers do need help at center. I believe center is in a major priority for this team. I want someone better than Charlie Coyle. But what do you think this team's number one priority should be this offseason?
1: <sighs> Defense. Like, I get that there's there's depth in, in terms of prospects on defense. So right now you've got Provorov who's coming off a rough season. You've got Ghost coming off a rough season. Um, Andrew McDonald, garbage. Uh, Radko Gudis may or may not get traded. Um, who else do we have? Who else is on defense? Robert Haig. We got
4: Haig. We got Moran. We got Myers. Myers.
1: Sanheim. Good. Sanheim. Uh, Very good. Myers. Prospect. We don't know. Um, I mean, we... we, we I'm we have, convinced. A, we have a good idea, but everybody goes through. Yeah,
4: We know he's a, we know he's a, a good to very good AHL defense. And we are hoping right. that he can be a good to very good NHL defenseman, but he hasn't done it yet.
1: Right. So, you know, you, we've got a, another potential ghost situation where he's bad for a couple months and the entire fan base wants to light him on fire and send him anywhere that will take him, which I wasn't here last week when you guys were talking about the, the trade ghost nonsense and it's probably better for my blood pressure that I wasn't, <laughs> because I have never heard just a, a more ridiculous, it's so stupid, more ridiculous thought than, oh, we've got this da- this guy who's having a down year, who's still one of our best defensemen, but he's having a down year. We got to get rid of him. We like this. This is just where is the logic? It, it just doesn't exist. I-
3: I don't, there's a, there's just people who can't get on board with an offensive defenseman. They just can't do it. They don't understand. Like they just think you have to play in your own zone and you don't take any chances and you stay back there and you concede the blue line. Like Andrew McDonald, you just back your way up all the way to the net. And that's how you play defense. And that's
2: really stupid. That's I, I seriously want to upgrade this defense. However, looking at just the UFAs. Unless it's Eric Carlson, I don't want to spend money on any
1: of these. I don't guys. like do any of any of the Bring UFAs? me Eric Carlson. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Let's no. do Eric, it.
2: Obviously, Eric Carlson is my pipe dream up here. I believe he's staying in San Jose as soon as he can sign the eight year deal after the trade deadline. So like if they go into next season with Provorov, Sandheim. Ghost, Gutis, and then some combination of Haig, Myers, and Moran on the third pair. Um, I don't have the biggest problem with it in the world. Me neither. If they make serious upgrades on offense, and I just think there are more upgrades to be made. Yeah, You can get a mm -hmm. top-line winger and another center, and suddenly, you know, things are looking pretty good. I want to throw something at you.
1: You you don't need spare parts on the fourth line. Well, no,
2: and my... I want to throw something at you, and we'll get to you, and I feel like you have some things to say here, Charlie, but I want Mark Stone. That's my thing. Oh, yeah. And you go Giroux, Couturier, Stone, second line, you have Limblom, Patrick, and Voracek. And then, JVR, Tyler Johnson, Travis Konechny. I don't hate it. Now, obviously, uh, my main idea, I want to steal Braden Point with an offer sheet. Wow. That's, my, that's my number one goal here. Steal Braden Point with an offer sheet. But if Tampa somehow figures out a way to keep Braden Point, they're going to want to— They're, they're going to keep Braden Point. Maybe. How- all right. They have to figure some things out. And that's—all right, now they're going to have to sell some pieces. We could get Tyler Johnson pretty cheap to be a middle 6C, pair him with JVR and Konechny. That line would score a bunch.
1: What if we offer sheeted Mitch Marner?
2: I think they yes. can afford him. I think they can afford him. That's the. I think Tampa is in a worse situa- situation than Toronto. Listen, probably get me any of these R- Rfas. There's a bunch of really good ones. I'm pinpointing Braden Point because I think he can be had. Uh, Poke
3: holes in my logic. I, I kind of like it, and I don't know what to. I don't know how to feel about the I fact just, that I think you might be to something. I think Kelly's leaning into the chaos. Is Maybe what's that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah.
1: I. I mean, it's fine. It's, I wouldn't hate it if that happened. It's better than some of the the guys that we have now. It's fine. Um, that's where I stand. <laughs> Without doing any research, it's fine. It's
4: fine. I cannot envision a scenario where Tampa lets Braden Point leave. I think Tampa will gut that roster to keep Braden. Point.
2: And then we can get Tyler Johnson well, yes. at a discount. Yes, I'm,
4: I'm not. I'm not saying the. I- I'm not saying the idea of offer sheeting Braden Point is is a bad idea. I mean, shit. He's in my mind one of the top ten best players yeah. in hockey right now. If you can get him, go get him. But I just cannot envision a scenario where Tampa decides it is a good idea for us to let Braden Point go rather than keep Tyler Johnson, Alex Kalorn, Andre Palat. Like they will gut their roster to keep Braden Point because he is just that good. So I don't. I don't want anybody to go into this offseason with dreams that Braden Point is going to be a Philadelphia Flyer. I do think that... You don't think he sat out last
2: night because he doesn't want to play
4: against his future team? Yeah, that's the reason. <laughs> but I I think you might be on to something, the idea of maybe jumping in as a team to help the Lightning get out from under their cap issues mm-hmm. and pick up a useful piece for the Helping them, I like that line of thinking. That that's, that feels it's more my logical. Fullback
2: logical answer to No, go get me goddamn Braden Point right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's the, what I want. The collusion, but I yeah, obviously no. If that's if there is if even if it's not the Flyers, as long as there is an offer sheet to Braden Point, I'll go. Okay, if nobody does it, there's collusion, and the players should strike.
1: I mean, they won't because they never do. Uh,
2: Someone's going to cancel that thing in September. I'm telling you, one of the sides is going to back out, and I think the players will have real grounds to do it Mm -hmm. if there is not an offer sheet to Braden Point.
4: Okay. So, I will, uh, so my thing, I I agree with the defenseman thing. I would ideally love for them, ideally, if you could get a... Surgeon. Well, yeah, I mean, Spurgeon, like as as a player, Spurgeon is kind of Jared Spurgeon is kind of my. Can we dream just call him Sturgeon? Sturgeon, forever
2: now. call him Sturgeon.
4: I would want a uh, a right handed defenseman who is capable of being like the two D on a team. Like the 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 number two on the depth chart who you can put with Ivan Provera for the next five, six years and just kind of park it like that's your top pair. Get me a guy who can drive play. Like I'm talking the the the, the three guys that I have kind of on my like, man, it would be awesome if they could get them are Spurgeon, Colton Preco, Jacob Truba. Those are the three. And those, would be nice. and those are the three guys where I'm like, man, I would, would man, I would amazing. love for them to get one of those three. That solves so many issues on the defense. It allows for you to slot Travis San. on your third, on your second pair. It allows you to use Ghost as more of like a sheltered second pair guy. It allows you to use you know whatever whoever of Robert Hagan Sam Ren, you keep on your third pair. You can use Gudis on your third. it just allows everything to slot better, and then it allows you to say, hey, now we have a good veteran. We don't need to keep the bad veteran and Andrew McDonald. We can buy him out without having to worry about that shit. So that would be great. However, I do think, and you spoke to this with the Braden Point pipe dream, I think the Flyers' biggest need is they need another impact forward. Yeah, and I I don't care whether it's a center or a wing because I do believe the flexibility of Drew being able to play both gives you the ability to get one to get to not have to prioritize one position over the other. I do. I think if you give him right now, he's being forced to carry two wings that don't play defense. I get
2: it. I get it. I just like he's got zero points in I think eight of thirteen games, and that's not Claude
4: Giroux. Yeah, but if you give Claude Giroux Mark Stone on his wing, I think he does a lot better. So my thing my thing is I don't want to be locked in to say because if, if you've decided that Claude Grier can only play wing then guess what the only position you can target is center because you 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 can't give another wing a gigantic 10 million dollar deal when you've already got Jacob Voracek getting $8 million. Claude Giroux getting $8 million. Jake uh, James Van Reemsley getting $7 million. If you've decided that Giroux is just a wing, you have to go for the center to be that impact guy. If you believe Giroux, Giroux can do whatever, you don't have the cap space. Ah, they'll figure it out. No, they. they, they <laughs> there's only... The, Flyers, have, buy uh, out Andrew the McDonald. Flyers are in a good yeah. cap situation. They're not in a situation where they can literally buy everyone. They can buy two guys. Not two guys for $10 million.
2: Not each. No, but your center, Tyler Johnson's at, like, 5, so you're fine. <laughs> all right, guys, that <laughs> okay. is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back after the trade deadline, so uh, I'm sure we'll have an ice sport or something by then. Uh, we'll have all sorts of content coming at you next week. Of course, we will be at the Alumni Showdown on Friday the 22nd, so come out and see us there. If you can't make it, sign up for that Patreon. All the proceeds go to the alumni or not the alumni foundation uh snyder 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 hockey so that's a good cause do that uh yeah that's it my name's bill mats for kelly for charlie for steph have a great week everybody are you ready
0: to talk about